0: Well, the number one question that everybody's asking right now as we deal with this pandemic, as it continues to unfold, is when is all of this going to end? When are we going to get through this? When are we going to go back uh, to life as normal? I've seen our prime minister handle that question. Our premier handle that question. We've seen health officials who have dealt with that question on TV. Everybody's asking it and we have an answer. We just don't all really like it. The answer is we don't know. We don't know, and so we continue uh, to evolve as, as we get news of how things are going. Uh, we continue to evolve on how we have to live. And in light of that, t- today I wanna ask you, how are you feeling? What are the things, what are your emotions, what are the things that you're going through on the inside uh, as we deal with so many changes in our circumstances and in our world? And as I've talked to many of you, uh, we know that there's a broad range of emotions that people are feeling. All the way from boredom, many of us, Most of us are stuck inside, stuck in our houses, um, keeping away from other people. There's a lot of things that we can't do, and so we're getting a little stir-crazy and bored. But the range goes uh, way to the other side, where some people, especially if you're working on the front lines in healthcare, uh, you might be ramping up, you might already be feeling overwhelmed uh, with some things that are happening in the hospital and the healthcare world and then there's all kinds of different emotions in between. There's people who are understandably worried, worried about uh, their health or the health of loved ones, worried about their job and the economy, worried about how long this is going to go and how long it'll take to play out. There's many of us who are dealing with loneliness uh, as we are fairly isolated um, and if you're on your own that can really take a toll. Uh, there's some of us who have a lot of anxiety around so many different aspects of that and today. I'm I want you to think a little bit about your feelings. And I want to talk a little bit about how we might be able to even process the things that we're feeling and how we might deal with the situation that we have in front of us. Of course, a lot of us are just missing some of the, the basic things that we really like to do that we can't do right now just real basic things and it's only really been a couple of weeks where we've been dealing with uh, the effects and the restrictions of things that we can and can't do uh, but there's things that you might already be be feeling like man I wish that I could go to a coffee shop with friends I wish I could sit and be around people I wish I could go to the movies or to a restaurant. I wish I could be back at work and just be around the people People that I normally work with face-to-face in a way that I can't do that right now. Uh, and then there's uh, things like going to dinner parties uh, and, and doing those social things that we would love to do that we can't do right now. Uh, this week, uh, I got a notice, I got, I got an email Uh, letting me know that a wedding that I was supposed to go to has been postponed. And that's one of those things where your heart just goes out and you think, this is one of the greatest celebrations that we have is when we come together and we celebrate somebody's wedding and and them coming together. And then, of course, there's the big party afterwards, the wedding reception that everybody loves. Uh, And it's one of those things that uh, it's sort of like the epitome. It's like one of the best parties that we have is a wedding celebration. And so uh, to be uh, told this week uh, that people that we love and we would love to go celebrate with um, or postponing their wedding is is hard to hear. You know, one of my favorite parts of going to a wedding, and specifically the party afterwards, the reception, I don't know if you have this. I hope that you've had an experience like this or something similar to this. Um, We have some some good friends that, um, you know, we've all been to each other's weddings and been part of each other's weddings and been part of the big celebrations. There's some of the people that we care about the most and love the most, friends that go way back. And one of the things that I love about when we've had Those opportunities to celebrate each other is this moment in a wedding reception. You can uh, let each other know, even in the comment section, if this is something you've experienced, if you're with us on the live comment section on YouTube right now. But it's that moment where you're, you're all at the reception and you're sitting around. Maybe you're talking to somebody, getting some to eat, doing whatever, and all of a sudden your song comes on. Your song, the song that not just for you, but with maybe a significant other or a group of friends, it's meaningful. Maybe it has huge memories attached to it as part of your relationship where you just know that's your song. And whatever else you're doing, it's the moment where you put that down, you're talking to somebody else, you excuse yourself quickly. When you hear the first notes or the first few bars of that song, you know, these are the songs. This is the song where I got to get out and dance. I got to get out on the dance floor. And maybe when you hear that, you just, you rush to the dance floor. Again, maybe your, your boyfriend or girlfriend or your spouse, you know that they're going to do the same thing. Maybe some of your closest friends there, you know, when you hear that song, they're all going to be out there. And when you get out there, all of a sudden you just, uh, you, you erupt with smiles and joy. Um, and it's this relational moment where you go, man, this is where we come together and we know whatever else is going on. We join the dance floor, and your inhibitions just kind of slip away quickly, and you don't mind if you look silly and stupid because everybody looks stupid, and you're going in. Maybe you have those moves that you always have for that song, and if you are following along live with us on Sunday morning uh, on YouTube uh, right now, even jump on the comments. What are the, what are those songs for you? What are the songs where you and your friends or you and your significant other, as soon as you hear it, you know you're going to get out on the dance floor, and there's going to be this joyful, uninhibited fun dance where you just go nuts, man. I just love that and I look forward to a time uh, where we're back doing those kinds of things and we're back enjoying great social celebrations but we also know that that's not where we're at today obviously and so I want to talk a little bit about how we deal with the feelings and how we deal with missing those kind of things and how we deal with uh, our present reality uh, by accepting that reality and I want to talk a little bit about some of the wisdom we find in the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is one of the wisdom books in the Old Testament. And if you read through Ecclesiastes, uh, most of it comes from the voice of the great wisdom teacher that's introduced in the first uh, few verses. His name is Kohelet. He's the teacher. He's the wise sage. Um, He sort of takes the persona of an older, wiser person who's trying to teach people about life. But Kohelet is the Eeyore of the Bible. He is the, you know, the donkey from Winnie the Pooh. He is the uh, pessimistic, always getting down, always looking at the negative side of things. He oftentimes in his writings, if you read through it, he slips into utter despair and just says, ah, life isn't even worth it. Forget it. Nothing makes sense. Uh, Just, you know... We've had it with all of this. But in the midst of that, he also gives us some great wisdom of how to live and how to live even when life doesn't really make sense. So let me read to you from Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Verse 1 says, a good name is better than precious ointment and the day of death than the day of birth. So Ecclesiastes, uh, in this section, Kohelet is going to use a bunch of what we call better than statements, which is just a really simple literary device that's compares two things. This is better than this. Um, It's a way of accentuating a point and and teaching something. So he starts, a good name is better than precious ointment. A good reputation. When people think well of you because of who you are and because of what you've done, uh, the fact that hopefully you're a good person and have good relationships, that is better than precious ointment or precious oil. And the comparison here is that one is going to last longer and be more sure, dependable than the other. A good reputation is going to serve you better. It's going to stick with you. It's going to be there in good times and bad times. More so than precious oil. Now, oil was a luxury item in this culture. You know, think of a really expensive perfume or something like that and something that a lot of people would have wanted but not been able to afford. Uh, This thing that we go, oh, was so amazing. But the problem with oil is oil can spoil. So a good name, a good reputation, having good integrity and people uh, that know that is much better for you than this precious ointment or expensive oil. Because oil can spoil, but a good name, a good reputation is going to serve you well. You can depend on it. Now, most of us read that and we say, oh, I get that. There's a bit of attention because we like nice shiny things. We like expensive things. But we sort of, that makes sense. Um, we would rather be better people than have expensive things. The next verse, though, or the next part of that verse is where we see, this is where Kohelet kind of takes a turn into despair. He says, in the day of death than the day of birth. And the comparison is the same. One is more dependable than the other. Yeah, you might have been born and you might think there's so much potential in the world and in my life of things that I could do. But what he's pointing out is you can be sure that one day you're going to die, that that is dependable. So now he slipped into despair and says, we have to live in light of the fact that one day you're going to die. There's more substance to the fact that there's a day of death coming than all the potential you think is in front of you. And that's where we stop and go, oh man, that's, that's not real encouraging. That's uh, not real exciting. Kohelet is probably saying that because he's so fed up with the absurdity of life. He's so fed up with the, th- the fact that things don't always go well and right and how they should. He's so fed up with the fact that things can be meaningless and taken away from you that, you know what? Sometimes it's better to think of when you're going to die than when you were born. It's sad and it's depressing, but it's also a very real thing for him to say. Verse two, he continues with these better than statements. He says, it's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind and the living will lay it to heart. In other words, it's better to go to a funeral than it is to go to a party. To which most of us, most of us would say, who says? Who says? That's not a good day. The days where we have to go to a funeral when we are uh, faced with the fact that we've lost someone that we love and we have to move through that. We know that's a very painful thing. We don't come out of those days and go, wow, it was better today that we had to go to that funeral. It's better that we lost someone that we love. Then if we had to, had to go to a party, we would, of course, totally rearrange those. Good days are the ones where we're all together. Our family and friends, we're partying. We're at the wedding reception. We're celebrating a marriage or, or a birthday or an anniversary or something great happening. Not the day we have to go and mourn at a funeral. But Kohelet says there's actually something to living in light of the fact that we recognize that this is what happens, that death is part of life, that this is an inevitability. And he says the living will lay it to heart, will take it to heart, will actually take it into consideration that this is part of the experience of life. And if we'll really take that in, there's something to learn in this. There's something to learn in the hard moments, in the pain, in the struggle, and in the loss. Something that's deeper. Something that will actually serve you really well. Rather than just pretending everything's okay. Rather than just always partying. Rather than always thinking things are going to go well and life is is just about um, adding good experiences to good experience. He says, we have to acknowledge and accept the fact that there's really hard things And people who are really wise will take that to heart. People who really will search for something deeper will understand that you can only learn certain things and experience certain things in difficult, hard circumstances, in light of our own mortality, things that we can't learn just when things are going well or by pretending things are going well. Some of us have had experiences like this That we would look back on. They're the experiences where we would say. And there's a great paradox in this. Or there's a great contrast in this. So the experiences where we would say. As we look back in our lives. I would never want to go through that again. I would never want anybody else to go through that again. If I could go back. I wish I could avoid that. I wish that had never happened. And yet they're also the things we look back and say. Going through that has made me who I am. Has made me a different person. Has transformed my life. Or maybe more to the point, in those situations, God has transformed me. He's not only changed me, but He's changed me so much that I will never go back to being the person before that. Many of you know a little bit about my story that when I was a teenager, when I was 17, my dad was diagnosed with leukemia. He fought it for about a year uh, in the hospital for a lot of that time, uh, struggling against it. And by the time I was 18, just after I was 18, we had to go to his funeral. And I look back and at that time in my life, I would say, I wouldn't want anyone to go through that. It was horrible. It was extremely painful. I hope that nobody has to lose somebody too early. I also look back and say, in many ways, I am who I am today because of having gone through that. I saw God work in transformative ways in my life. Through those circumstances, I realized things and learn things about life that I wouldn't have otherwise. I started to depend on God, understanding my own vulnerability in in a whole different way. Started longing for deeper things in life in a way that I never would have at that age. Started uh, looking for God to to provide and to protect in ways I never would have looked for him otherwise. And some of you have similar experiences, either losing someone or other hard situations where you would say the same thing. I would never want to go through that. I would never want anybody else to have to go through it. And yet it was transformative. God moved in my life in ways I, in a strange way, am thankful for. That's what Kohelet is teaching here. It's what, for a lot of us, this pandemic will give us the opportunity to do. For our generation, this will be one of the moments, one of the many moments, one of the seasons where we look back and we say, we learned things about life we never would have learned. We, we, we wouldn't want this to happen. We didn't want it to happen. We, we, we wish it didn't happen. We don't want it to happen to anybody else. We hope it never happens again in our lifetime or anybody else's. But will there will also be opportunities where we stop and say, God worked in ways and we were able uh, to, to change and be transformed in ways that we wouldn't have otherwise And it's not that we wish that that would happen. It's that we accept that that is what is happening. What actually is, is a great teacher. Not just what we want life to be. Not just what we uh, wish life would be. But what is, is a great teacher. And Kohelet, although uh, he, he sometimes falls in despair, teaches that. That it's better to go to the house of mourning than to feasting. There are things that you can experience and learn in the difficult, tough, sometimes really excruciating times that you could never learn if you're just going from party to party. Verse 3 continues, sorrow is better than laughter for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fools. This also is vanity. Verse 3, the sadness of face, um, sorrow is better than laughter. For by sadness of face, the heart is made glad. It means that when you really contemplate the tough stuff in life, the difficulties, your own emotions about those things to the point where it shows on your face that you're sad, you're in despair. That that actually is an advantage to make you glad, to make you well, to get to a healthy place. Verse 4 goes back to verse 2, this idea of going to the house of mourning, not just the house of mirth. Mirth is like a joy, like a giddiness, like you're always laughing, like you're shaking in laughter. Uh, But really people who are wise will learn from the funeral home, not just the party. It's better to hear even rebuke from wise people. It's better to be told that you're not doing everything right than just pretending like everything is okay, singing the song of fools, ignoring everything that's going around and just pretending everything is good. And then he wraps up the section by saying, for as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of fools. Crackling of thorns, uh, thorns, um, a lot of heat, a lot of uh, flash, a lot of noise when a thorn uh, catches fire. So you hear it, you see it, but there's not a lot of heat. There's not a lot of substance. It's there and then it's gone. It just kind of explodes. It doesn't help you build heat for whatever you're trying to heat with your fire. It is a vanity. It is something that is here and then it's gone just like that. And that's what it's like if we just try and ignore what's going on around us. So he's told us that funerals can be better than feasting, sorrow better than laughing, mourning better than rejoicing, and rebuking better than singing. In other words, here's what he's trying to tell us in this passage. Accept a reliable relationship to reality. Here's the healthy thing to do. Don't go through life trying to pretend like everything is good, but instead accept what is. What is can be a great teacher. What is has great opportunities, but we don't need to sugarcoat it. We don't need to pretend we're not feeling certain things. We don't need to pretend everything will be all right all the time. It will be helpful to our hearts and our minds and our souls to do that. This is a pathway to healthy emotional living and healthy spirituality, to go deeper into our souls and not to ignore what we're going through, but to acknowledge it. So, a lot of us, and I think uh, in the Western world, uh, this is something that um, really is very pervasive. We we're not really good at this. We're not good at suffering. We're not good at going through hardships. We're not good at enduring pain. We would rather find quick fixes. We want to get rid of the pain. So when we have uh, emotions that are unpleasant, when we have circumstances that are difficult, what our natural reaction, and I totally understand this, we're all in the same boat, we just want to get rid of them. We want want something that can quickly fix those things. And today, I want to tell you to avoid the quick fix, that quick fixes don't lead to real transformation or growth. In the long run, they don't help us solve our problems. And there's a great opportunity for us to accept a uh, a real relationship with reality, a reliable relationship with reality. Accept reality. So here we are, for many of us, um, if you are, for example, stuck at home most of the time right now, like many of us are, um, and you're feeling bored, you're feeling anxious, feeling overwhelmed, feeling lonely, whatever, wherever you are in the range of emotions and feeling the different things. I want to tell you, we have um, a great temptation to try and numb those feelings. But in these moments, I want you to resist that. So here's a lot of ways that we, we numb our feelings or we're looking for a quick fix. How do I just get rid of this feeling? It's things like uh, alcohol or marijuana or uh, other prescription pills. How do I just make myself feel better? And so maybe even in these last couple of weeks, you started to feel temptations to abuse some of those things, to overuse some of those things or to use those things uh, in a way that you haven't before or in a way that you know is unhealthy uh, to say, I just want to get rid of these feelings. There's other ones that maybe uh, are a little bit less obvious, but for some of us, it might be binge watching. We just want to make sure that we're never thinking about the way that we're feeling. We just want to always distract ourselves, overeating or eating things that are really unhealthy, Uh, escaping through pornography or even online shopping. And what we're looking for in those moments is, how do I make myself feel good in the moment? Where do I get a quick fix? How do I numb the bad feeling? And rather what uh, Ecclesiastes and Kohelet is teaching us is actually you need to embrace reality. You need to be able to go to a place. I know it's hard. I know it's painful but to accept reality and to accept what you're going through. What the wise sages have known throughout centuries and what we read about in the scriptures, psychologists have started to catch up to. And even when we talk about trying to avoid our feelings or get a quick fix for our feelings, if you saw a good counselor, a good counselor would tell you that if you try and numb your feelings or if you try and avoid your feelings through difficult times, uh, a couple of things are going to happen. One of them is when you avoid feeling something, you end up feeling nothing. If you try and avoid feeling or not feel the negatives, that if you do that long enough in in a pattern, you're going to stop feeling the positives. That if you try to avoid feeling sadness, you'll also lose joy. Or if you try and avoid despair, you may also lose compassion. That we can't just numb the bad parts or the negative parts that we're feeling without affecting the positive things. And the danger here is that we numb ourselves and we come to a place where we become numb. Maybe you know people like that who have said because of hurt in their life, things that they had a hard time dealing with emotionally, that they had to develop a thick skin. And what happens is when we develop a thick skin with the negative emotions, also the positive emotions, that we start to block those things out. And while we might stop feeling the things we don't want to feel, we also eventually will stop feeling the things we do want to feel and the things we need to feel on both sides of the coin, the things we think are negative and positive. And then if we do it long enough, unaddressed emotions become uncontrolled issues. That you can't numb your emotions forever. Eventually, those emotions that we try and stuff deep down will come out in different ways. That all of a sudden we we might have these issues of anger that we go, "I, I don't know why I'm all of a sudden angry in my life and I can't control it and it comes out at the weirdest times. Or anxiety where we have this deep anxiety that is so hard for us to control. Maybe it's despair or depression that we know that if we create an unhealthy inner world that eventually those things are going to come out in other ways and in really difficult ways, which means it's so important for us when we're going through difficult times and when we're experiencing difficult emotions to learn that we need to go to the house of mourning and we need to mourn and we need to grieve. It's all throughout the Bible. We see it in places where they ask the question we started with this morning. How long? There's all kinds of places. If you search that on the Bible app where um, the Bible, people in the Bible are calling out. and They're saying, how long, O Lord? How long, God? How long is this going to last? I'm hurting. But what they're doing is they're giving an expression to the things that they're dealing with. Their hurt and their pain. Their situation that they don't know how to deal with. They're calling out and asking, God, I don't see you. How long are you going to put up with this? Places like Psalm 13, Psalm 35, Psalm 89, Habakkuk 1, they all have that that moment. Some of them in the starting point. How long, O Lord, is this going to last? And then there's often this pouring out of, here's what we're feeling and experiencing. And it's so healthy for us to do that. It's healthy for us, number one today, to accept reality. So I'm going to encourage you as uh, an application in this. To process your feelings. And for some of us, that's not something that we love to do or are comfortable doing. But it's going to be crucial in the days coming ahead and and already for us. uh, Again, even if it's just boredom that you're feeling or a stir craziness all the way through. Loneliness and anxiety and worry. uh, And being overwhelmed and being exhausted. To give a voice and expression to those things. And I'll encourage you to do it in two ways. Express your feelings. Process your feelings. Talk about them in community and in prayer. Talk about them with a spouse, with a significant other, with a trusted friend or family member. Talk about them when you meet virtually uh, with your life group and say, here's what I'm going through and I just want to be honest. And my situation, maybe my situation isn't nearly as bad as someone else's. Maybe mine is, is really severe right now. But here's what I'm going through. All of your emotions fit. They're all part of it. Life is about the good and the bad. Not just when things are going well. Not just when, when we can share victories. But everything fits. There is an appropriateness to your emotions right now. Wherever you're at. And it's important to talk about them. Process them in prayer. One of the, the great um, opportunities we have right now. As we go through this. Is to make sure that we're starting Every day in communion with God, acknowledging his presence, inviting him into where we are. In those prayers, be honest, be raw. Tell God what you're feeling. He knows already, but pour it out to him. Journal it, write it down so that you have a record and you can come back later and see how God is working in that. But, but just unload those things and make sure that your prayers don't become just these sanitized things that we say to God. Oh, dear God, thank you for this day. Help us to be okay. Amen. But really... Wrestle. Maybe you'll read some of these psalms that we listed before and you'll identify with the the writers of these poems, poetry, where they just pour themselves out even when things are not going well. And then ask yourselves, what are my feelings telling me about my situation, myself and God? What does it tell me about my vulnerability or where I feel vulnerable, where I need to invite God into a certain area of my life, where I need to build trust, where I need to show compassion, where I need to build character, patience, love? What are your emotions saying about where your heart is at, where your soul is at, where your trust is at? And to find that in these times, God comes and meets us exactly where we're at and teaches us and changes us. And I hope as we open our hearts to him and let us do it, transforms us. The difference between change and transformation being change, you can make a change, sometimes we change back. Transformation is a change that we don't go back on. We become new kind of people. And I think that's what God wants to do in us. Not just one time in our life, but he wants to do it over and over and over. It becomes the pattern, the pattern by which we follow Christ who is willing to enter into suffering, not to ignore it, not to say there's nothing that bad with the world, but instead, Jesus comes, it's God coming in the flesh to experience everything we experience, the good things and the bad things, to suffer, to die, and then to defeat death. And in his resurrection, to give us the pattern of transformation, death to one thing, and rebirth, and new life, a new way to new people. And I think that happens in us uh, as people when uh, we give our lives to God, when we give our lives to Jesus, when we make him Lord and accept him as Savior and he forgives us our sin and makes us new. But I also think it's the pattern of growth and transformation in our life that we go back over and over and over to that pattern of transformation. Kohelet, as he talks about this, accept reality also teaches us that acceptance helps us to find meaning and meaning in suffering and meaning when things are difficult. For us, uh, one of the questions that you might have, not just how long is all of this going to go on for, how long do we have to deal with this, but also why is this happening and, and, you know, is there any good in it? And when we go and we learn these lessons, one of the things it points us towards is meaning, that it is not completely meaningless to suffer. But actually, we walk into these places and we find the image of God all around us. We find that God doesn't ignore suffering, but that's exactly where he is working. We find him in vulnerable people. We find him in... Needs that we have and other people have. We find him in compassion. We find him in love. We find him in sacrifice. We find him in pouring ourselves out. And there we find that there is something more meaningful to life than going from party to party, than just trying to create a life that always feels good. There's something deeper under that. There's something that our souls can attach to, finding the presence of God and attaching ourselves to him even in the midst of suffering and hurt and pain and loneliness and all the rest of it. This is one of our paths to an emotionally healthy spirituality. But we can't stop there. So today I hope you'll understand and I hope you'll take steps towards accepting reality. But our job as followers of Jesus are also to be beacons of hope. And so today we accept reality as it is. We also want to adopt hope. Hope of what will be. Hope of what we're looking forward to. Because as we accept the reality of the way things are, we also need to accept the reality, adopt the hope that this is not how everything is going to be forever. That one day we will come out of our houses again. One day we'll be back in the coffee shops. One day we'll be back gathering. One day we will be able to have celebrations. One day things are going to get better. And hope is not a denial of what is, but it's trust in what will be. And in Jesus, that's resurrection. That that we see that Jesus steps into suffering, that he even steps into death, but then he conquers death. So he doesn't deny reality, but he doesn't give up on hope. And so our job is to accept reality and then to adopt hope. This is how life is. I wish it wasn't this way right now, but here is what we can be confident will be. And Jesus said to us, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live. Even if they die, and anyone who lives and believes in me will, in a sense, never die. We have hope and we are brokers of hope, and today I want to speak that into your life. Don't look for the quick fix, don't look to go around the suffering or the hardship. Accept reality, but also adopt hope. And today, whether for the first time, or whether for the, 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 the thousandth day in a row, we have the opportunity to, to come to Jesus and to adopt his hope. His hope says, we don't ignore what is, but we don't give up on what will be. He says, I am the resurrection. Death always precedes resurrection, but resurrection defeats the sting of death, the finality of death. And that is our hope. And so today, I want to reach out to you as you watch this on your screen. Whatever you're feeling and whatever you're going through, I would love for you to know that there is hope in Jesus Christ. Hope for you. And I want to invite anyone who maybe that's a message for the first time that you're considering. Maybe you've you've never heard of that message before. Maybe you've heard it before, but it's never been real to you. But now you're in a spot where you're asking for hope and looking for hope and wondering, how long is this going to last and where is God in this? I I believe that God is in the reality of our suffering and he's also in the hope of what will be. Jesus offers us, come to me, believe in me, trust in me, put your, your life's trust in me. And when we do that, he says, I'll forgive you of the ways that you've been trying to live a, a different way, the way that you've been trying to save yourself or satisfy yourself. If you're willing to turn from that way and can come and follow me, Jesus offers that forgiveness and he offers life both now and for all of eternity. Today, you can accept Jesus as your Lord and come to follow him even right where you are. I think when Jesus... Stepped into this world as a human being. And he taught us how to live. He taught us how to live the most meaningful kind of lives. To maximize life by loving sacrificially with God and with other people. When we see that he was willing to sacrifice himself so much to die for the sins of the world, to forgive the world. And then when we see him be resurrected to new life and defeat death, I believe that those were the first few notes, the first few bars of our song. The song that calls us out onto the dance floor. Jesus over and over uses the, uh, uh, the metaphor of a party, of a wedding banquet to describe what God is doing and what he's offering. The invitation to come. And in the resurrection, I believe we start to hear the notes. And we're meant to look around and not ignore ignore what's around us and what we're going through. But we're supposed to have the invitation to say, start running to the dance floor. This is our song. Get the smile on our face. Watch as other people join us out there and we lose our inhibitions. And we embrace the joy of all that God is bringing. Because one day, God will rescue And restore not only us as individuals, but all of creation. And we will attend the great banquet, the great wedding. And we'll be out on the dance floor together celebrating again. One day, we will step out of our houses again. And this crisis will be over. And one day in the future, Jesus will come back and make all things new. And we will step out onto the great dance floor of joy and great, incredible relational celebration. So today, accept reality what is, but adopt hope of what will be in Jesus Christ. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, today we bring to you all of our hurts, all of our pain, and our struggle. God, would you hear our prayers today for those who are bored and stir-crazy, looking for something to do? God, for those who are worried and anxious about their health, their loved ones, their job, the economy. God, for those who are in despair and depression or loneliness. Father, for people who are completely overwhelmed, overworked, feeling incredible pressure to be in really difficult situations. God, would you hear our prayer? Would you take everything that's inside of us, the emotions that are appropriate, We trust you that you are bigger than all of them. God, would you reassure us that those negative feelings will not last forever. We can process and work through them. God, would you help us to sit there in them, but also move us through them? Today, God, would you help us to accept what is, accept what we can't control, and to trust you? And God, today, would you reassure everyone of the hope we have in Jesus Christ, the hope that he is the resurrection and the life, the hope that he is one who has not ignored suffering but came right through it, even to death and then defeated it. Would you reassure us that one day you will make all things right and you will make all things new and everything that is wrong will come untrue. And reassure us that we have hope for a glorious future with you. God, hear our prayers and meet us where we are. We thank you that you love us so much to do that, that you are powerful to work in whatever situation we deal with, and you are loving enough to be willing to do it. And so we pray in the powerful and precious name of
1: Jesus Christ, amen. Hey West Side, I hope you are keeping safe and healthy during this time. A lot has changed and continues to change in the midst of COVID-19. So in the middle of these uncertain times, we are doing our best to speak directly to you to make sure you are informed and up to date with what's happening here at Westside. So if we haven't met yet, my name is Zach and these are updates for you this week. Regarding our Sunday services, kids and youth programs, and life groups, we will not be having physical gatherings for the foreseeable future. So while we may not be able to meet in person, we believe we have the opportunity to share hope with so many people who need it right now. Now is the time when so many people are looking for direction and peace in their lives, and we have the opportunity to point them to Jesus. Here are a few ways that we think you can help us do that and make a big difference. The first is our online messages. Each week we are gonna be sharing good news at a time where people need some. So by joining us online to hear our Sunday messages and by following us on social media, you can help us spread the word. Sharing the good news can just be one click away when you like and share our posts and Sunday teachings. We'd also love it if you would subscribe to our YouTube channel to help us engage with even more people. This is a time where we can really reach our friends and families online. So be thinking about who you will invite to join us next Sunday, or maybe share one of our past messages with. Second, as we work hard to engage more people with the good news of Jesus, your financial gifts make all the difference. When you support Westside with your generosity, you are helping people all over the city and the world hear about Jesus. This is a time where we are planning to continue to add resources for people to access online, like our Sunday morning messages, encouragement throughout the week on our social media feeds, and a brand new podcast. More details coming soon. So while we may not be passing an offering bucket around, there are still some great ways for you to be a part of supporting our ministry. Here are three main ways. You can give online through our website, by text message, by texting the word Westside Hamilton to 77977, or by sending cash or check in the mail. If you visit our website, westsidehamilton.com forward slash give, you can find more details there. Third, we will continue to find the best solutions to help our life groups connect online so they can support one another, care for our kids and youth, and love our neighbors. If you are not a part of a life group at Westside, please reach out to us. You can email us at info at westsidehamilton.com and we would love to help you get plugged into a group so you are supported each and every week. Lastly, we wanted to let you know that our Good Friday and Easter Sunday services will also be held as online experiences this year. While we would love to be able to celebrate in person, Inviting your friends to join us this Easter will now be a click away. On Good Friday, we'll be taking communion together, so plan to have a little bit of bread and some grape juice or wine at home with you. Be sure to pick these things up when you go out and do your shopping next, and we'll be sending you more info as we get closer to Easter. Thanks again for tuning in online. And if you are in need of anything, whether that's a grocery run or something else, please send us an email and we will serve you. You can also email us if you can help deliver and be a driver. Thanks so much, Westside, and we'll see you next time.